We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Good to be with you today on the program. I mean, what, what, honestly, what day is, is not good to be with you? I mean, and if, if it wasn't a good day to be with you, am I really going to tell you? I mean, Bobby, we got to be honest, don't we? I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. What am I so going to say? You know, b- bad to be with you? Yeah, right. No, we're not, we're not going to say that. No, seriously, it's um, always good to be on the program. And uh, if I don't feel that way, then I just probably won't be here. You know, we'll just get Mr. Rick Green to host or something. That's right. Um, But we are here, and it's a a joy to be here on American Family Radio. AFR.net is where you can find us. AFR.net is where you can find the uh, show, the podcast. We're also on all major podcast platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts. Lastly, but... Arguably, most importantly, is the video. Yep, we got the video out there available for you, streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net, and then on Facebook as well. Yep, we're on Facebook at the CORE's Facebook page. Go there, watch the show live at your leisure. So we offer a plethora of options for viewing and listening to the program. we got some special guests with us today. We're going to have my brother in the second segment, as he is each Wednesday. We're also going to have Dr. Uh, well, before the doctor, we're going to have on Ronnie Flowers with us. He's a senior regional director over at Arkansas State Teachers Association. So we're going to talk about what uh, what um, Ronnie and his team are doing to positively impact teachers around the state of Arkansas and maybe how that model can be replicated around the country. So Wesley will be with me in on that interview. Last segment, we're going to have Dr. Richard Urso. Very, very fascinating interview we're going to have. I'm just telling you uh, uh, ahead of time. Uh, he's a scientist um, and uh, a sole inventor of an FDA-approved wound healing drug, amongst various other uh, items on his resume. So Dr. Richard Urso, we're going to have him on in the last segment. We're going to talk about COVID-19 and the the original virus and how it affects the body, but also talk about the vaccine or the or what I call the shot and how it also can affect the body. So we're going to kind of break all that down. Some of these topics I've been talking about, you know, on the fly, we're going to actually talk to Dr. Uh, Richard Urso about that. And we're also scheduling other doctors in the future that are going to really shed some light on the whole COVID-19 upper respiratory virus along with these COVID-19 shots. Uh, that are really negatively affecting people's health. So we're going to break all that down for you and provide all the information you need. Uh, But before we do, let's jump into Scripture. Psalm chapter 57 is where we are this week. David says in verses 1 through 3, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. 
He will send from heaven and save me, verse 3. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Notice the, the writing here. Um, David says the same thing twice. Verse 1, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. And there are different like classes you can take on writing and speaking. And one of the things they'll teach you is if there's something you really want to highlight, well, you say it twice. Even if they heard you the first time, you still say it twice. But isn't it fascinating that some of the some of the literary, you know, tips of 2023 were uh, taken advantage of by writers from 3,000 plus years ago? It's fascinating. Uh, we just think we have new things and new approaches to life, and then you read the Bible and you're like, oh, oh, they were doing that back then. Yes, David was saying it twice back then. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, he says. Um, Jumping into uh, some of the stories I want to get to today, let's see. uh, I've got a couple clips here, uh, two clips for the program today. But I want to uh, start off with this topic of work, work ethic, uh, the workforce in America, uh, the economy, labor participation. This is this is folks so integrated with Scripture and with the Christian life that we can't ignore it. God created us to work. Genesis, Adam and Eve working the garden with their hands. Work is an integral part of life, whether you recognize it or not. With that being said, it's something we ought to talk about on the program when we do very often. I want to play the uh, one of the co-founders of Home Depot, a uh, home uh, hardware store, um, uh, DIY store, Home Depot co-founder, Bernie, Bernie Marcus. Anyway, uh, Bernie Marcus, the co-founder of Home Depot, was on with Stuart Varney on Fox Business, and he's talking about this new generation, and I'm, I'm pointing fingers at myself, of laziness, uh, of fueling laziness in a more socialistic society. Let's listen to this review of the latest generation. Let's go. There's one thing I don't understand, Stuart. Maybe you could explain it to me. Uh, We had this recession we're talking about. People are being laid off. But I can tell you right now, after some meetings I had yesterday, you can't hire people. They don't want to work. Nobody wants to work anymore, especially in office people. They want to work three days a week. It's incredible. How do you have a recession when you have people that don't want jobs? There are plenty of jobs out there. How do you explain this? Bernie, how do you explain this? How do you explain the the attitude of this young generation? Because clearly you don't think much to them, do you? How do you explain why they are like they are? Well, they're entitled. They're given everything. The government, in many cases, if you don't work, you get as much money as when you did work. So, Stuart, if I'm, if I'm say, in a situation where I have to go work 40, 40 hours a week and I'm paid money to stay home and it's equivalent to what I would earn, why do I want to go to work? Fair enough. And so you get this laziness 
which you have, and it's basically a socialistic society. Well, there you have it. Laziness, socialistic society. Breaking this number down to actual tangible numbers that we can understand. Because we can make generic offhanded you know, statements about what we think is the trend amongst um, amongst American culture. Uh, he just said, you know, uh, younger generations are lean more towards laziness, entitlement uh, type mentality. And I think I think that's definitely true, generally speaking, um, just looking at where we are morally as a society. And uh, but let's look at the labor participation rate. All right. I mean, this is this is hard data. This is not opinion data. Um, back in, let's just go back to 2002 because that's the chart I'm looking at now. Uh, this is out of the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, back in 2002, you had about a 66% labor, 66.4, technically speaking, labor participation rate. All right? So this is the percent, basically the percent of able-bodied adults in America that can work, all right? They can work. They're choosing to work. 66% of that group of able-bodied adults that can work are working, 66%, all right? Well, where are we today? Well, during COVID, that dropped drastically, but we know why, because we were shutting down businesses, at least temporarily. But we're down to 62% now. 62.3 is the latest number out of December 2022. So we've dropped about uh, 4%, roughly, thereabouts. And that may sound minimal to you, but this is very, very important, folks. We're at the lowest labor participation rate in the last since uh, this chart I'm looking at goes back about 20 years. Sorry about that. Um, this, this, uh, uh, This chart goes back about 20 years, so... Uh, um, we'll have to see, you know, what happened before that. But for this conversation, uh, we're at the lowest labor participation rate in the last 20 years, 62%. And you ask employers out there about hiring, and they'll they'll say, I can't find good workers. I mean, this is this is across the board. Everybody you talk to who's a business owner, whether it be small business, middle mid-sized business, or large business, um, there's this overall theme of I can't find good workers. And when you do find good workers, you either can't afford them or they go somewhere else and somebody else pays them more, all right? So this is this is something uh, as a society we're going to have to address. And I think first and foremost, this can be addressed through the rebuilding um, of the American family. I mean, we have to invest in families. We have to encourage one man, one woman marriage for life the upbringing, disciplining, and discipling of children, we have to encourage that. That's the starting point, all right? We have to teach that God encourages work, that work is good, it's noble, it's virtuous, it's right. We've got to get out of this this rut of a mindset that work is somehow bad. Now, now can work be bad? Can people idolize um, their occupation? Of course, of course, but you can idolize anything, folks. And so, but we, but the problem that we face in America, folks, is, is not a problem of idolizing your occupation, idolizing how you 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 uh, put food on the table. 
The problem we got in America today is a is a degraded view of work, is a is a bad work ethic. That's what we're facing in America today. And just to be honest, this is one of the reasons that some of these big companies and these big entities are heavily uh, uh, lean towards bringing in immigrants, both legal and illegal, uh, to work is because they can pay them less and they work harder. And, and we're just being honest here on the program. I mean, you look, generally speaking, um, at the at some of these uh, more blue-collar jobs like agriculture or construction, there's a, there's a lot – it's heavily immigrant uh, population filling those jobs because they come from impoverished countries. They know what it's like to not be able to eat or put food on their back. So they come to America. They're excited. They're energetic. They're ready to work. They'll do whatever it takes to get the job done, and they work for less, generally speaking, than some Americans. So um, one thing that we're going to have to address in this nation is our problem with uh, poor work ethic. That's that's the one thing we're going to have to address because um, our economy cannot prosper, cannot flourish if we don't have people who are able to work, if we don't have them willing to work. And that's where we are uh, today. And then you've got a lot of these, um, a lot, a large segment of our population heavily leaning uh, towards more entitlement programs, more welfare, more government assistance. And, folks, that leads uh, our country uh, to a not good place. So we got to be on top of that. Uh, we got to focus on that. And we've got to teach our kids that, that hard work is good. And, and that's one thing I'm careful not to do. You know, a, a lot of a lot of parents will will basically tell their kids what they can and can't do for a living. And I'm not talking morally. I'm just talking, you know, somebody's son says, "I want to, I want to be, uh, I want to work in construction." You know, and some parents go, "No, no, you you don't want to do that. You don't want to have to work with your back for a living." Folks, we got to be very careful about how we speak. Uh, about work with our children, what we encourage amongst our children. We, we don't need to be putting our children down and, and and squashing their dreams because they might want to earn a living a different way than we want to earn a living. Work is good. We've got to encourage it. We've got to teach it amongst our children. Be back in a few. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a disgrace to any people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The prophet Isaiah diagnosed the condition of the rebellious nation of Judah prior to its conquest and exile by Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 59 of his book. He explained that Judah's transgression separated the nation from Yahweh. Due to Judah's sinfulness, truth had fallen in the streets. The consequences for their rejection of truth was that lawlessness abounded. Similarly, truth has been rejected in our nation. Abundant lawlessness is the consequence for a nation that has turned away from the Lord. Repentance is what is needed in our nation, starting in the church. Righteousness is what exalts a nation. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Is your girl a go-getter? 
When presented with a challenging situation, she always takes the head-on approach. But could that be to her detriment? If her tendency is to bite off more than she can chew, she might be setting herself up for failure or worse, a breakdown or illness. Your girl has challenge accepted syndrome, meaning she doesn't back down from hard things and she may even be wired to instinctually seek them out. Knowing this can help her recognize and repair some broken habits. She's only human, so she can't do everything and there aren't enough hours in the day. Guide your girl to pray for wisdom to know what deserves her energy and what is outside the domain God has given her. This helps her strive under the Lord's power rather than her own. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. At the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At the Core on American Family Radio. I've got a friend Closer than a brother There is no judgment Oh, how he loves me I've got a friend and he is my strength He is my portion With me in the valley With me in the fire With me in the storm
Welcome back to the core here on American Family Radio. Good to have you with us. The second segment of the program. Hey, if you missed the first segment and you want to go back and listen, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the core wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can go back and listen to past episodes. Wesley's in with us as he is most weeks on Wednesday. Wesley, welcome to the core. Hey, I'm glad to be back on the radio with you, and thank you for your program. Thank you for the opportunity to come on and make sure that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. Well, here we are. I uh, showed up for duty. <laughs> hey, Wesley, we got about a, a week of deer season left in mm-hmm. Mississippi. Yeah. It's been a fun one. It's been a fun one. Walker and I really, really enjoy being outside. Um, obviously, hunting is is a big portion of that, but we also enjoyed cutting our grass and taking our boys uh, to the baseball field and things like that. And as Walker mentioned, hunting is, is one thing that has brought uh, he and I together and our sons and our granddads and a lot of our family together and enjoy being out there. And over the years, we've uh, enjoyed doing some habitat work as well. But we've had a fun deer season, but as always, all good things come to an end. Yes, next year, we'll, but, Lord willing, we'll be here. Yeah. But uh, I want to encourage our audience to make sure they do some activities outdoors. Yeah, you know, we can absolutely. spend a lot of time on the couch, a lot of time in front of a screen, but we all need to be spending some time outdoors. Yeah, you can be a lot of people are very productive behind a screen. Uh, there's a lot of good jobs for that, and uh, a lot of people are very productive as writers and things like that. But to Walker's point, wherever you fall on the spectrum of your occupation, there's nothing better than being outside, seeing God's creation. You know, I'm just I'm just rambling here for a second, but I think about during the summer times when, or even the spring when it's maybe not so hot, but mm. uh, but during the pretty pretty weather months, taking our 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 family like to go on either a walk while the boys and the girls ride their bicycles, and or a golf cart ride, or uh, being outside enjoying God's creation uh, is a reminder. And you know, there's so much there that you can uh, open up to when you're having um, discussions with your kids. Uh, you know, one, you know, I remember a conversation I had with Bennett and he was asking me, Bennett's our oldest son, seven years old. He was uh, looking at creation. He would, and somehow or another at, at four or five, he was like, well, how do we know God exists? Mm. Uh, you know, or, it, he a lot had, of good questions yeah. come, out, come out of those <laughs> yeah, conversations. Yeah. Or how he didn't ask it exactly like that. It, was, it may have been more like, how do we know God's real or, or something along those lines? And yeah. of course, the Romans one, uh, I came straight to mind, you know, we can look. And the attributes, or we can look at creation and see that there's a creator. Exactly. And, that, of course, that's just the simple way. Obviously, you can go as as, as, as simple or as complex as you want with that. You think mm. of ant, what the ministry of Answers in Genesis does. Yeah. Nonetheless, uh, just being outside, I was able to point immediately to the to the sun, the clouds, the sky, yeah, and the trees, and be able to have that uh, type of discipleship moment with my son, all because I was outside enjoying God's creation. Absolutely. Hey, we do have a guest with us. Oh, we do? Is we it? do. Oh, yep. We're Ron, ready Ronnie's to roll. Let's do this we, thing. We all got right. him on. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to take up any more of his time because he, he's he's our guest and he's our special guest for that matter. Ronnie Flowers is with us. Ronnie Flowers is a senior regional director of the Arkansas State Teachers Association and we met a couple months back at an AFA town hall in Arkansas, one of the events that we uh, carry around the country. We were there located. You and I were there. Got to meet Ronnie for the first time. He's a supporter and listener of what we do here at AFA and AFA and does great work there in Arkansas for the uh, Teachers Association there. And so we wanted to have him on. Got a couple questions to ask him, but before we get into the interview, uh, Ronnie, thank you for taking the time to be on AFA. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the program today. I appreciate y'all for all y'all do. 
Uh, in fact, listening to you all ago really uh, reminisced about the uh, my 18-year-old and 20-year-old boys that I have. So Amen. thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Ronnie. Well, let's get right into it, okay? Before, I want to, with, what do we got to walk about, eight or ten minutes here? Okay. With the ten minutes we got, I want to save a good portion to discuss how, how some successes that you have had in the public schools and, and getting the Bible is history classes in public schools in Arkansas while you were teaching in public schools and some other successes that you had. But before we get into your successes, would you help us understand uh, how, as parents and school board members, we can, as we're faced with inappropriate materials and curriculum in, in school, how can we get good materials? And what is the process of challenging uh, uh, curriculums of how parents and teachers can get good curriculums approved? Well, as I tell all of our members across the state, uh, the biggest thing is, is to know your school district policies. Every school district treats things differently. I know uh, most of the school districts here in Northwest Arkansas, they have all their curriculum online. And so teachers and parents, they can go and look and see what's being taught in other people's classrooms and what's being taught as a curriculum. Um, With that said, parents need to get involved and make sure that they know what's being taught, you know, teach their kids at home, you know, making sure that they're Kids feel very comfortable coming back from the public classroom and saying, hey, this is what was being taught. Um, and that, that's one of the most important things. Go back to that school board policy as well. Just know what's going on. And, of course, as always, um, if you find something that's not being taught well or something that you're like, I don't agree with that, always go and talk to the teacher that it came from first. Because it could be a misunderstanding, it could be just a happenstance, it could have been a mistake that the teacher made that day, and letting her, her and his emotions get in the best of them, whatever. But you know, just like Matthew eighteen says, someone's got out with the brother, go talk to them first. Mm, that's good. Hey, that's good. You know, obviously over the lockdowns, um, we we talked we've talked extensively about the the what we've learned from a country. And what we've learned uh, medically and, 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 and reminding of our constitutional rights over the lockdown. Now, one of the few good things that came from the shutdowns and the lockdowns during COVID is that the parents obviously became a lot more involved in what their kids were being taught. Can you expound a little bit about that before we get into some of the successes that you've had? Sure. Um, it was really neat that uh, I think parents got an overall general idea of what their kids are being taught, and also that teaching might not as was as easy as they thought it was going to be, <laughs> um, because a lot of them became the secondary teachers at home, and uh, I think it was a wake-up call for some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. I believe the same thing. You know, and um, we here at AFA and AFOR, we you know we su- we support the parents' right to be uh, fully in charge of how their uh, a child is uh, educated. And there's a variety of different ways they can do that. The main thing is that the parent is fully uh, involved and aware of who and how their uh, children are being taught. If it's outside the home uh, and anywhere, whether it's at Sunday school class or anywhere else. And so we now at the same time, we're not we're not naive to the decline of what's going on in public school. And, and, and in some cases, in some locations, the absolute spiraling out of control uh, and the agendas and the, and the indoctrination, uh, the LGBT agenda. 
uh, environmentalist, uh, the uh, socialist. It's all there. Especially, it gets even worse, obviously, in the uh, college education, um, but uh, college academia. However, at the same time, you've experienced a lot of success in promoting both uh, the Bible, obviously, uh, but also righteous um, and, and biblical um, uh, models in public schools. Can you tell us a few of your success stories and how you were successful? Sure. Um, I taught in uh, public school for 12 years before uh, I took this job with Arkansas State Teachers Association uh, 10 years ago. Um, and I still get to help educators and help education in the current format that I'm in. Um, but what it is is while I was a teacher, the neat thing is, is they have a lot of different clubs. You know, they had the Gay Straight Alliance. Well, they've got, you know, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I had some students who came to me. In fact, I think they probably heard it on American Family Radio about the Bible Club. And so they came to me knowing that I was a Christian. They came to me and said, hey, would you be the, sp- the staff sponsor of the Bible Club? And so I went through the policies and said, well, this is what we need to come up with. This is what you, you need to write down how it's different from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, you know, what your goals are, what you would like to do. And their whole topic was, we want to discuss the Bible. We want to have in-depth conversations about what the Bible says about everything. You know, so everything's on the table. And the neat thing is, is was that students use my classroom in the morning before school started. So it could be before school or after school or even at lunch if they really wanted to. It's basically not taking up, you know, uh, you know, school time, school instructional time. And so they asked me to be that staff sponsor, and I more than welcomed it, and I helped them go through the process, uh, following the policies to get it started and answering all the questions that the administration had. And then when they had something they wanted to do, I helped them make sure it happened as a staff, knowing what the policies were. Wow, so you were able to get the Bible. From what I understand, the Bible as history is a class that you were able to get approved was that for all Arkansas public schools or just the one that you were currently at when that when you... Um, the, the Bible as history class, that's a different thing. I was talking about Bible clubs. And oh, okay, I'm like sorry. That. A, Thank you for no, clarifying. No problem. <laughs> yeah, the Bible as history, that's actually a curriculum that's been approved in Arkansas by the legislature. I don't know exactly who had approved it, but, but how it approved it. I went to the state school boards of education, uh, the Arkansas Department of Education here. But it was approved as a class that public schools can teach. And so, but what it is, is it needs to be approved by each individual school board. And so there's policies that are in place. The school that I was at, it was just a matter of taking the curriculum and giving it to my principal and my principal presenting that to the school board. And in fact, the first year that I presented it, the school board said, well, let's not do it this year. We've already approved a lot of new classes. But then the next year, a different teacher, because I actually took this job with, with Arkansas State Teachers Association. And so, but the following year, another teacher was able to um, present that to our principal, principal present it to the school board, and the school board approved it. And it is a history class, but wow. the Bible as literature is what it's called. And actually, I heard about the Bible as literature class first thing off of American Family Radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've covered that over the years. That's been... Uh presented and applied in many different states across the country and so in some small areas we are taking back public schools and this is one of them and i'm so grateful for teachers like yourself over the decade that you served or more uh in public schools that you were a great witness and then we understand that 
um, even if you've made a decision to go elsewhere, because we understand, too, that just like the Methodist is having issues, uh, all types of ministries and organizations end up having splits. And if they do, there's always a different timeline in which people peel off and some people stay in and fight for different reasons. And so we're grateful that you have stayed in the public schools to fight for what's right for the kids and being able to endure that uh, over the years. And what are with the time we've got left, we've got two minutes, what are some, what's some advice you give to the parents uh, and the school boards on making inroads together in providing more appropriate curriculum like the one you just did? Get involved. Um, parents need to volunteer to be in the, their child's classroom. Mm. Um, I've never known a teacher to turn down a parent saying, hey, can I come help you with something? Mm. You know, whether it be, you know, sorting papers or making copies or, uh, you know, putting stickers on papers or whatever. You, um, lots of times it's been my experience that elementary schools, get a lot of parent volunteers, but then as it gets into middle school and junior high and high school, those volunteers from the parents drop off dramatically. And so, you know, you need to know what's being taught and, um, you know, and get to know the teachers. You know, parents need to get to know those teachers because then if the parents see, hey, I would love to have this, you know, this curriculum, you hear about a curriculum, and you can talk to the teacher that you have an affinity with, that you have like values, and you can say, hey, what about presenting this class to the school board to uh, to be taught next year? Yep. And so that's a great way to get that conversation started. Ronnie, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And um, we'll, we'll have you back on to discuss this topic as we move forward. And I just want to tell you, thank you so much. It's, we just had Ronnie Fa- uh, Flowers, the Senior Regional Director on Arkansas State Teachers Association. Walk, you know what? I was just thinking about the importance of if there's ever a time to be involved in what's going on, why not when your kids are growing up with your kids yes. at the same life stage you're going? That's why the reason we volunteer for nursery. We volunteer yes. for Awanas because that's the stage our, our kids are in. You could do it any other time. We encourage yeah. you to, but why not when your kids are at that age? Absolutely. we got to have parents involved. involved in every aspect of their child's life, Amen. including, if applicable, public schools, school board, parents, teacher association, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks, Wesley. Hey, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. All right. At the core here on American Family Radio. Glad you've been with us. we got one more segment. Dr. Richard Urso, you're not going to want to miss it. Be back in a few. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need your YouTube. Banned one day. Banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. Unbanned. Just search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. The AFA Resource Center has all your favorite items. Everything from books, movies, shirts, and even hats. Introducing AFA's polyester and twill hats, starting at just $18. Whether you're into fashion, a collector, or you're just having a bad hair day, these hats are just what you need. You can buy one for yourself or a friend. Purchase your AFA hat today at resources.afa.net. 
In the season of giving, you can be the answer to their prayer today. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and since Labor Day, we've been working toward a goal of putting God's Word into the hands and hearts of 16,000 Bibleist believers around the world. Here's a few that are praying for a Bible. Ahmed is a former Muslim beaten by extremists when he came to faith in Christ. He's praying for a Bible. Miriam is a widowed mother of three in Mozambique, Africa. Very sadly, her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime, but she's praying for a Bible. Carla was a follower of pagan practices in Venezuela. He's praying for a Bible now as a Christ follower. And then Washi and her husband are livestock farmers in China. They want to raise their children to know and love Jesus. They're praying for a Bible. Listen, to date, you've put 10,000 Bibles into the hands of Bibleist believers. We'd love to see another 6,000 by the end of the year. So please, at $5 a Bible, would you make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. There were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made... They had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is At The Core on American Family Radio with your host, Walker Wildman. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. Well, I do want to get to a clip that I've had queued up um, for um, for today. And, uh, you know, I talked, uh, I've, I've spoken recently and actually pretty extensively about the, the, uh, the complete deception by um, the FDA, the CDC, other bureaucratic agencies, along with major vaccine manufacturers. Um, I've talked about their just, just straight-out deception and these these uh, definitive blanket statements um, that they make um, about uh, they say that these COVID nineteen shots are safe and effective. That was a, that was a talking point for for a year or two, with no caveats, absolutely no disclaimers, no caveats, nothing. Completely safe and effective, nothing to be concerned about. Anyone who raises any questions, you're a conspiracy theorist, and you want people to die. That that was the, that was pretty much the status quo. That was the narrative. Very evil, very dark, very deceptive very dishonest. That was the talking point of these major bureaucratic agencies, along with experts around the world. That was the go-to talking point. These COVID-19 shots, they would say, are 100% safe and effective, no reason to be concerned at all, even though (laughs) they didn't have the data to back up that statement. Well, I do want to introduce our next guest. We have Dr. Richard Urso. Uh, Dr. Urso is a scientist, a sole inventor of an FDA-approved wound healing drug, and the former director of orbital oncology at the MD Anderson 
Center. Dr. Urso, thanks so much for coming on the core. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, lots of sounds like lots of great topics to discuss, actually. Absolutely. So I want to I want to I want to tackle the COVID nineteen topic from two different angles and just get your get your feedback. So the first one is what COVID nineteen the virus is has done and is doing to people's bodies. I mean, the the way this just from a layman's perspective, the way the COVID nineteen virus from the beginning uh, affects people's bodies is very odd. Very interesting, and unlike other illnesses, generally speaking, although there are some similarities with other upper respiratory viruses. But um, what what are what are you seeing over the last few years as a doctor treating COVID nineteen patients? What are you seeing about how this is affecting people's bodies in a very unusual fashion, if any? Well, a couple things. Number one, uh, the virus does some things that most viruses don't, don't do, respiratory viruses, cause blood clotting. And so I've treated about 3,000 patients with COVID. Now we're mostly seeing um, COVID vax injury, so that's what we're seeing now. Mm. Not a lot of severe COVID. But there's a big difference between the vax and the, uh, and the virus, and I can explain that in a minute. But in general, with COVID itself, um, lots of inflammation, that's what's mainly killing people. Uh, the virus only survives for about five days, maybe six or seven. This is normal for a respiratory virus to be out of the body and only particles to be left behind. So when you measure PCR at day 20, you're just finding a bunch of dead particles still around. So these tests were misused. Um, The virus dies very quickly, and that's why drugs like remdesivir don't work in the hospital two and three and four weeks later. Paxlovid, as you see, they give it very early because um, if you don't give it early, um, it won't work. Um, in fact, if you look at the Paxlovid studies, they gave it within two days um, in virtually every single patient. When you look at an ivermectin study, they gave it sometimes uh, up to 10 days later. And of course, you know, we give drugs late, they don't work so well. So bottom line is um, a lot of uh, the, the things that are happening with COVID are different. So what I said early on, early on in 2020 was we had treatment for inflammation on label we had treatment for the uh, respiratory demise, like the normal asthma meds. We had treatment for the blood clotting, and they neglected, Fauci and others neglected to actually recommend normal on-label treatments for inflammation, respiratory issues, and for blood clotting. Absolutely absurd, ridiculous. Um, we also had drugs that might have impacted the virus, and certainly was worth, uh, after looking through the literature, that found about nine things, including one called Kaletra, which is a carbon copy of Paxlovid. Um, but also we had ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, uh, phenylfibrate, cyclosporin. I had, I had about nine things I found in about roughly two hours um, that might work. Uh, this is from somebody who spends pretty much all my life uh, looking at drug design. So in general, it didn't take long to figure it out. And, and what we found is that the virus mutated. Um, it became um, even a little bit worse with the Delta uh, component in, in the middle of 2021. And now we've gone over right at the end of 2021 to 2022, the Omicron variant, which the only people that are dying now are the uh, are the triple vaccinated. Mm. 94% of the deaths in England were the triple vaccinated. So wow. the people who are vaccinated have harmed their immune systems. And now uh, because of the harm of their immune systems, they're at higher risk for disease. Let me ask you one more question about the, the, the virus, and then we'll jump to the vaccines. That's a very interesting topic that I do want to make sure we cover. Um, but the... Uh, the the, the the investigation uh, to the extent that there even is one into the origins of the COVID-19 virus, did the thing come out of a lab, did it not, et cetera, et cetera. I think 
many people are leaning towards the lab theory. There's a lot of evidence to back that up. But nonetheless, without us knowing definitively, doctor, isn't that to a certain degree or is it uh, impeding on our ability to treat and know what to do with this virus uh, without knowing where it came from and how it was engineered? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you some funny things that you're just after you hear this, you're going to say, okay, well, I pretty much know what happened. First of all, there's an ACE2 receptor that was never before found on a coronavirus like this one. There was a TMPRSS2 serine protease never before found on a on a on a spike of a of a coronavirus. A furin cleavage site never before seen on the on the spike of a COVID uh, uh, of a coronavirus. There was an NRP1 never before seen on a coronavirus. There was a GP120 fragment from HIV never before seen on a coronavirus. There was the ability of the S1S2 segment to split go into the nucleus and cause DNA damage repair mechanisms to to flounder this P53 and BRCA, the breast cancer, ovarian cancer gene. There was a disruption of immune viral surveillance um, that was never foreseen on a coronavirus, and there was disruption of interferon production never foreseen on a coronavirus. So we had all these things basically that were normally uh, a Volkswagen, you know, a coronavirus are very mild, and now you have a Sherman tank, uh, a major weapon, um, and I, that to have that all happen in nature, what I just said is a near impossibility. Um, and there's patents that back up everything that I just said. Wow. They patented the virus. So it's not a question of what the question is. They built it. They built it. They built something with nuclear energy. And instead of building, um, I mean, nuclear with nuclear power. And so they, instead of building nuclear energy, they built nuclear bombs. They made it a stronger, more aggressive virus than has ever been found in nature. And that was intentional. And whether or not they had malintent, I don't know. I know it was intentional to build this virus. Hmm. Um, everything I just said is uh, backed by, by lots of data. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Hey, Dr. Urso, let's jump to the vaccine. I do, I do want to make sure we, we give that just time, although we could probably carry on this topic for a couple hours. Um, these shots, I've been calling them shots because they're not statistically performing as vaccines in the sense of preventing illness to begin with. So these these COVID nineteen shots, some people call them vaccines. Um, we many people raise the alarm on these in the very early days, saying, "Hey guys, we don't have enough data on these. There's some 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 major safety issues with these." Uh, uh, treating people who have been injured by the vaccine, what are you uncovering? So th- it's all about risk reward. So when you talk about the technology, one thing I'll give you two major important points. This thing distributes all over the body. So anybody who thinks it stays in the arm, that's not Pfizer's data. It's no one's data. I work with lipid nanoparticles. They were basically, we were using them to carry chemo. It was actually injuring the bone marrow and wiping out the bone marrow. We're trying to get it to go to the brain. They basically distribute widely in the body to the heart, to the brain, to the bone marrow, to the adrenals, to the ovaries, uh, you know, to the testes. So you see lower sperm counts, you know, things like that. Bottom line is they widely distribute, okay? Number two. They affect the cellular immune response. Number two, they produce the payload, the protein, for two months or more. Well, if you have a child that has an inborn error metabolism, this is great. It distributes widely in the body, produces the protein the child's not making, and potentially can offer a solution to a problem that would probably end the child's life at an early age because they're not making an important protein. So instead, we have a protein, we make it a protein that's a foreign protein all over the body in places respiratory viruses never make proteins. Respiratory viruses don't get in ovaries. They don't get into bone marrow. That's, they don't do that. 
um, they don't get in their brain. It's very, very difficult for them to get to those places. I'm not saying none, but it's way less than 1%. So bottom line is we have something that's producing foreign protein all over and in high numbers. The production facility is two months or more. It's not producing for five days. I just told you the replication cycle of the virus is only five days. The replication cycle of the messenger RNA is protected by this lipid nanoparticle, protected with a, a pseudouridine component that's unable to be broken down easily by normal RNAases. What this means is you're making a ton of protein, foreign protein, all over your body, creating lots of inflammation all over your body for no reason. And as, as what we're seeing at the end of it all, at the third shot, you not only stop um, creating, you start making inflammation, but your body says, you know what? Stop even paying attention to this thing. It makes an IgG4 class switch antibody, which basically says, let's treat this like bee venom that I went to the allergist for, and now I'm not going to react to the bee venom anymore. In other words, I'm going to let the virus flourish in my body if I ever get exposed to it, because I now no longer make neutralizing antibodies that, that switch the virus off. I actually make tolerizing antibodies, which actually protect the virus. And that's why I said you're seeing the triple vax are the most sick. They're sick all the time. Um, they're going to get COVID. Um, unfortunately for many of them, if, if their immune systems are at all compromised in any way, that's, that's the group that's the most likely to die. What about uh, cardiac? Uh, we've seen we've seen the, some studies showing uh, myocarditis, especially amongst young men. Uh, what are you seeing, uh, if anything, on the cardiac issues amongst people who've had one shot or multiple shots? So what we're seeing is that when, when, when the spike persists in the body for long periods of time, those people are really at risk. So what you have to realize is that the lipid nanoparticle wiggles its way through tight junctions. The virus cannot. The virus can't do what, the, what, this, what these small little fragments can. And so the people that are making it for two months or more that are getting this lipid nanoparticle component are getting much more myocarditis. That's not my opinion. It showed there was no difference in myocarditis in Israel in any age group prior to the beginning of the vaccine and only when the vaccine approached. They are going to try to say it's from the virus, but it's not true, and the data is there to, to support what I just said. Mm. So when I say anything on here, I say it with data-backed evidence, not my opinions. If I give you an opinion, I'll actually say it. That's my opinion. Mm. None of what I said so far today is my opinion. Dr. Urso, we got about three or four minutes left. Um, there are a lot of people out there that that bought the the narrative and the talking points and the pressure that we've got to get the shot you got to get the shot safe and effective safe and effective it was it was this master marketing plan to sell these shots around the world and a lot of people a lot of good people that probably agree with 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 me ideologically or from a belief standpoint on every other issue they just went along and trusted the so-called experts and got these shots, either got one round or multiple rounds of these shots. Is there anything that yourself and other doctors have discovered as a way to try to help your body recover after receiving the vaccine? Well, there's a couple of good things. Number one, these products are very hard to make. Um, the product that I made, Nerve Growth Factor, took eight years to get the production cycle down right. Bottom line is that these first couple shots, many people got basically blanks and nothing came out of them that was actually active material. So it's, by the time we get to the third shots is when we're seeing a lot more effects because the, the production is ramping up to be a higher quality. 
And that's a big deal, I think, because um, if you didn't, get, if you didn't, if you got one, don't get two. If you get two, don't get three. If you get three, don't get four. It's a cumulative effect. We see this particularly with the lipid nanoparticle component. It primarily affects the cellular immune responses, the macrophages, the natural killer cells, the cytotoxic T cells, the basically the main fragments of your immune system that actually kill things in a big way, like sort of tow trucks versus car keys. As you say, antibodies are kind of like car keys. They have to have a perfect fit, but you know, the, uh, the um, uh, cellular immune response, more like Pac-Man, come and swallow them up or like a tow truck. It could tow it away. It doesn't need the key. So if you, if you have it, the, the lipid nanoparticle is a toxic component. It is, in animal studies, shown to be passed down through generations. Um, and, and so this is, this is, don't get any more, basically. That's the main thing. Mm. Are there things you can do? Definitely keep your vitamin D levels up. Um, we are treating a lot of vax injury, and we have lots of treatments for them. We're using combinations of different things, including there's some mechanisms for the neurologic injuries, for the vascular injuries, for the autoimmune injuries, using steroids, using ivermectin, using natokinase, using colchicine, using low-dose naltrexone, using methylene blue. There's a lot of different, uh, HOV, um, uh, there's a lot of different drugs that we're using, um, and there's not one thing. And here's the reason why. Because the vaccine... Well, quote unquote vaccine genetic product actually distributes so widely that's why you see the variations in the injury because it's getting into multiple organ systems to nerve tissue vascular tissue in the heart tissue so that's why you're seeing such a myriad of different symptoms yeah and uh those who are out there you know um uh, you know i'm personally a big believer in the low carb diet um i think that decreases inflammation in a big way um, but there's definitely things that are out there that you can do. Vitamin right. D is so important, so load hey, up on vitamin D. Hey, For every 32 pounds, take 1,000 IU a day. Hey, Dr. Urso, we'll get a link to some of these uh, resources you're talking about after the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much. All right, Dr. Ro- Richard Urso, MD, thanks for coming on the program. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.